just having a great time. Uh, again, a man that needs no introduction here. Let's welcome Pastor Jesse Morales. Praise God. Amen. Do appreciate your faithfulness and setting aside the time uh, to be here with us tonight. I do uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it and rejoice uh, with Pastor Lavalley and the Toronto congregation as we've been contending with them. Also believing God and just a joy to see that building. God is faithful. Amen. Zechariah chapter 4. And verse 10, if you have your Bibles tonight, by way of introduction, La Sangrada Familia Cathedral in Barcelona, Spain. It's a very well-known cathedral. They laid its cornerstone in 1882. That time right there, 1882, it marks the event as the beginning of construction. They laid their cornerstone. 141 years later, it's still being finished. They expect the completion of this cathedral to be at the earliest in 2026. Yet there's many that rejoice that the famously incomplete church is now inching closer to the finish line, looking ahead at 2026. You know, this this article and this caught my attention because as people, we are wired for progress. We're wired for seeing things completed, seeing work finished, seeing work done. And when we don't see it, completion or progress how we think it should be, or we're not at a point where we think, man, I should be beyond this, or they should be beyond this, or whatever that looks like, we can actually begin to view any kind of progress then negatively. But God sees progress differently. And in our passage tonight, God encourages through his prophet, a man, a leader by the name of Zerubbabel, he encourages him by telling him, I rejoice to see the progress. I want to look at Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, a very familiar passage of scripture, a sermon I've titled, God rejoices to see the progress. Let's read this. Verse 10, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. God rejoices to see the progress. Let's think firstly, let's talk about this idea of being made for progress. As I said, people, we are wired to see things get completed. We want to see a job get done, especially here in the Northeast. Uh, we want things finished. We want things accomplished. We want things uh, uh, progressing. And sometimes we want that fast. 
We want to see uh, momentum. We want to see reference points uh, and uh, uh, be able to see uh, uh, information or even data of progress that we're headed somewhere, that things are happening, that things are getting done. And this is in us. I can even remember as a kid, uh, as I was writing this, thinking back, probably about 10 years old. And in our neighborhood, there was this guy building a, a, a garage, a huge garage in his yard. And it was one of those things where you're seeing the excavation, you're seeing the foundation poured, and you're seeing this little by little, month after month, passing year after year, of this, of this garage slowly going up. And I remember even as a kid thinking, why is this taking so long? What, this isn't right. He started this years. I was 10. Now I'm like, you know, older and, and think it's just one of those things we're wired for that. But it's because God has put progress. God has put this into creation. Think about this. We have the seed principle. Captured within a seed is this potential of life. And when you put that in the right environment, when you plant that seed in the right uh, setting, it begins to sprout. It produces a plant. It becomes maybe a tree that then produces fruit, that then produces more seed for future fruit. It's a progression. You think of a, a, a woman with child. You have, you know, that first ultrasound, the peanut. And you're, you're just, you know, so amazed. That's, that's our baby. And you hear the, the heartbeat, you know, and oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And, and, and it's this peanut. But then the process of gestation as it begins to grow and develop. And then there's the reference point of birth. Then there's the infant and the toddler and the child and the teen and the adult and all these different stages. There's progress. And progress is important because it communicates health. Things are healthy when things are growing, when things are progressing, when things are uh, hitting these marking points. Progress communicates condition. That the conditions are right, that things are as they need to be and in their place. Progress communicates strength. That this uh, 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 is is it has strength. It has uh, uh, what it needs. Its foundation to grow. Progress communicates life. That something is happening. That things are at work. We're wired because this is a normal course in life. Luke 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He increased or he grew. This is at work in all of life. So because of that, we expect progress. But how many understand everyone progresses at different levels? And this is attention now that you need to pay attention to. Not everyone is the same. And not everyone follows the same time frame of progress. 
As I said, here in the Northeast, is things get done. Things get accomplished. I pastored in New Mexico, the land of manana. And that's literally how they live. The land of tomorrow. You know, we just take care of it tomorrow. And tomorrow comes and we'll take care of it tomorrow. And so on. It's here where people can get tied up. It's here where people can begin to their heart, something happens and the way they view things, the way they, they, uh, uh, their worldview, the way they observe, the way they take in information is that there's only one way people should grow or there's only one way things should develop. There's only one way that this should happen. And so they have no room for a variety of progress. And evidently that was the case In our scripture, verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? This is God speaking. God is speaking to individuals. God is challenging hearts. God looks at a situation. God looks at his people. God looks at the miracles that have gotten them to this point where we pick up in our passage. God looks here as he's ready to to uh, uh, put this cornerstone. He's the plumb line is this. It, it makes sure everything's in line. Everything's as it should be. It's going to be the very foundation. But here, when people look at that, they say it's not enough. That's not enough. They're looking at the reconstruction of the temple. They're looking at a future purpose, the plans of God, and they despised the progress. Why? Because not what I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought they were going to, I thought we should be, I thought it was going to happen faster. It's not what they expected. It's not how they would have done it. See, the balance of progress is identify it but then have room for a variety of progress. Different seasons, different people, different situations, different circumstances. It's all, you have to, it's all encompassed in that. And not everything will happen at the same time frame, the same way. And so here it brings this despising. They look at it and with a despising eye. And God is stepping in and speaking. So let's think secondly about discouraged progress. Why do people get discouraged by limited results? Verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Again, this cornerstone being placed, this cornerstone, it's a victory moment. It's the very beginning of progress. It's the, it's the first step of progress. It's the first step in the right direction. And there are people, it's not enough. Pastor Greg recently shared a story with us at breakfast. We have a time after prayer where we have an opportunity to sit with our pastor and and ask questions and you know we got on a topic but he shared this story with us he said he was uh 
he was a, a pastoring at the time in a, in a, in a smaller work there. And, and this was early in his early ministry. I think his first church, if I remember right. And he had an evangelist come and, and this evangelist said, you know, uh, Pastor Gray is, you believe that prayer is the key to revival? Pastor Gray said, absolutely. I believe it's a key to revival. He said, well, where's everybody and how come they're not praying? He said, you're right. Where is everybody? They're not praying. So he kind of filed this, you know, and then he's chewing on this and it's, it's getting under his skin. You know, weeks are passing, time is passing. Yeah, where are, we need to be praying. We want to see God move. We need to pray. So he comes to a conference and Pastor Wayman, he's having lunch with him and a number of other pastors. And Pastor Greg said, you know, Pastor Mitchell, I, um, I believe prayer is a key to revival. And, uh, you know, we have people, they're not praying. They're not getting a hold of God. They're not, they're not in that prayer room. He said, Pastor Mitchell asked him, well, how long have they been saved? Right? This is brand new season of ministry. And Pastor Greg said, some of them four months already. <laughs> Pastor Greg said that Pastor Wayman Mitchell put his fork down, looked at him and said, don't be so stupid. This is dad to son. These aren't my words. Hey, let the record show. He said, be glad they're coming to church at all. Because we can despise progress. It's in us. Sometimes it is an issue of maybe pride. Because sometimes people look at the progress of those around them as a reflection on themselves. So if you aren't progressing, if you're not where I think you should be, now you make me look bad. You're making me look like a bad parent because my child isn't progressing how they should because they're not progressing how I think they should. They're not performing how I think they should perform. And there's this thing, you're making me look bad. So now despising the day of small things. It can be pastors with disciples. It can be congregants with new converts. People they're working with. And because it's not happening, they think that's a reflection of me and I'm not going to look bad. Because our pride is hurt, now I'm discouraged with the limited progress. Secondly, it could be sometimes an issue of experience. We despise the small things because my experience was... Now you have people, some some folks get got saved in revival. Pastor Greg shares stories of, uh, with us from Australia that he said, man, it, it didn't matter what we did. People were getting saved and they were locking in. I mean, he said you could do anything. And as long as you pulled an altar call, and even if it wasn't a great altar call, people are coming by the droves. They're locking in. And so then you think, well, sh- everyone should be like, I remember when I got saved and I did it and I... You know what I think is this, and they should be, and they should by now have, because I know I did. Or you get that golden convert. 
That golden convert that gets everything. I've had golden converts in my discipleship, in my ministry, but not everybody's a golden convert. And you can, if you're not careful, because of experience, everyone should be as fast as. Everyone should be as ambitious as. Everyone should be on as fire, on fire for God-like. But everyone isn't. Especially if it was your experience. They should be like how I was when I was a new convert. They should be like me. Well, thank God they're not. In some ways. Like you. Like me. But it's experience. And we can despise the small things. Sometimes it's an issue then, thirdly, of expectation. Again, we are taught, it's, it's in creation to expect progress. But again, it's going to vary from individual to individual. There's so many different ingredients. We were sitting with Pastor Payne the other morning after the men's discipleship class Monday night, Tuesday morning, we're sitting with him and someone asked the question, how come, how come some guy, it's just like, just like they go out and it's just like revival happens and then someone else goes out and it's like, it's not. And he said, well, I think if we figured that out, we would bottle it up and sell it. But there's just so many factors. There's so many factors and so sometimes the expectation So what's our responsibility when it comes to progress? What's our responsibility? It's to identify it. Identify progress, not to critique it. Not to be critical of it. Can I identify something? Can I look at a life and identify something. Can I look at a new convert and identify the signs of life? Can I look at a, at a situation? Can I look at, and where do I see progress? Even if it's small. E- even if it's microscopic. First Kings 18.44, finally. The seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Think about this story as Elijah's praying, uh, as he's contending for uh, a, a, a rain, as he's praying, God, send this rain. And here the servant goes, uh, and he comes back, and there's nothing out there. Go again and look. Okay, and seven times back and forth. Finally, the seventh time, Pastor Elijah, there's, there is a cloud. It's like the size of a man's hand rising over the sea. It's tiny. It's insignificant. It's small. And what does he say? That's it. Progress. Something's going to change. Something's going to happen. 
Rain is coming. Tell Ah- Can you imagine this moment? Tell Ahab, get in your chariot now, otherwise you're going to be stopped up by the rain. The floods are coming. It's like, okay. Uh, Ahab, Elijah's really lost it now. Legit, like, there's this tiny cloud and he's just saying. But he can see it. He doesn't criticize it. He can see the progress. He can see the sign. That's the sign. That something great is coming. That's our responsibility. That is what God is helping us with in our passage. For who has despised? Who's despised? Who's saying that? Who's telling you that? Who's seeing that incorrectly? Who's spreading that? No, that's not the case. No, that's not what's happening. No, that's not how that is. Because it's progress. God is doing something. God is working something. God is always at work. That's what he is. He's a worker. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's at work. So can I identify it? Can I identify it? Let's close. Let's think about God rejoices in progress. So our story is teaching us something about God's view on life, God's view on progress. And it creates an example for us to follow. Verse 10, for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. God looks at something, right? We're picking it up. You take the time to read it, but it's these seven that it says, these seven rejoice. What are these seven? There's these, there's these candlesticks that he sees, these lampstands that he sees in this vision. And he's like, what are these, Lord? You don't know what these are? We'll get to that. Let me just start here. Tell Zerubbabel. Tell Zerubbabel that these seven, what seven? The eyes of the Lord. That's what they represent. Because God's eyes are everywhere. God's eyes see everything. God's eyes are at work. Tonight, God sees this service. God sees this group uh, uh, of, of believers that are gathering together. And God rejoices in it. And God says, I see it. And these seven rejoice in what Zerubbabel is doing. Who's despising the day of small things? Who's speaking against the progress? Because I see it differently. I rejoice in it. Think about that. God rejoices in the progress. God rejoices in any bit of acceleration in the right direction in your life. God rejoices uh, when you make good decisions. God rejoices when you make good stands. God rejoices when you make a decision. Yeah, you hear a sermon. Yeah, that's me. That's where I'm at. And you come to an altar. God rejoices. He looks at what people say would be small. He looks at what those things... uh, those things that people are despising. He looks at what those are saying is insignificant. He says, that's not, that might be their perspective. That's not mine. I rejoice. 
The eyes of the Lord see this. And I rejoice. You know, as a disciple, Pastor Greg taught us, what you celebrate, you cement. What you celebrate, you cement. And I've taken that into my ministry all throughout, all throughout whatever it is I'm doing. I look for the things to celebrate. I look for the things to rejoice in. I look for the little victories. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be this extravagant thing. You just, whatever you're celebrating, it's going into the foundation of your church. Whatever you celebrate, it's going into the foundation of your life. Whatever you celebrate, it's going into the foundation of your kids. Whatever you celebrate, it's going into the foundation of your marriage. Look for those victories. Because to God, progress is progress. To God, growth is growth. Development is development. Isaiah 28.10, For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. You know, and that's how the scripture reads. It repeats itself. Why? So that we rejoice in the small things. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Something's happening. Line upon line, line upon line. It's, it's developing. Things are happening. Here a little, there a little. And you look and you identify it and you see it. It might not be what appeals to your pride. It might not be your, like your experience. It might not be like lining up with your expectations. But it's there. But it's there. It's happening. It's, God is moving in it so Rejoice. Learn to celebrate even the minor victories. This might be in your marriage. You know, marriages go through seasons and marriage, a good marriage takes work. A good marriage, it, it, it's deliberate. Sometimes I've, I've counseled couples and I've sat across the desk and, 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 you know, maybe it's down the line a little bit, a few counseling sessions later, and it's like, there's progress, but maybe they can't see it. There's progress, but it's like, they can't hear it. No, no, he's not Prince Charming, but he's also not an ogre anymore. Like, we're getting, we're getting through, I know, the ears, the ogre ears are gone, but there's still, you know, all the other ogre parts, but we're, we're getting there. We're on our way. And it's in marriage, you gotta, you look for that. One of the top reasons of divorce among the top reasons is contempt for one another. 
But when a couple begins to work on things, implement things, and see the victories, and see the progress, say, man, I'm so, a wife, I'm so proud of you. I can see you're trying. Thank you. Husband to wife, thank you so, everything you do, I'm so grateful. They're little, but they go so far. Your kids, what you celebrate, you cement. Yes, there's correction. Yes, there's discipline. Yes, there's those factors. But do you rejoice with them? Hey, good job. I'm proud of you that you did that. I'm, I'm, I was pleased to hear someone talk, told me something they did. Something, I'm, I was pleased to hear that. Right? You rejoice and you cement some things. Sometimes as parents, we can put so much pressure that we miss. We miss some really good parts of what our kids are doing. Ministry. Ministry. Do you see and rejoice in the progress? I, every, and every, you know, when you're working with people, is things come up. You want to keep the stable clean? Keep the animals out of it. You want no drama? Then don't be around anybody. But eventually you'll argue with yourself. But in ministry, you know, we just had another one of our annual outreaches and tons of people involved, man. I mean, probably by the end of it, over 130 people involved in this. It was one of those things, though, but, you know, little, little, little dramas come up, little fires start. And how come? And they and, and right. And I said, we're not going to let the volume of people be a problem. Oh, there's just too many people involved. That's dumb. And we're not going to do that. We're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice. And that's, you can just turn so much when you rejoice with youth involvement, new converts that are coming in your church. I mean, look at this. Praise God. Progress. Progress. Little inside story. This is the 40 year thing. So, you know, little two weeks after I got to Rochester, I called Pastor Greg and I said, Pastor, we got to do something about the building. <laughs> two weeks. I said, it isn't, it's not going to work. It's not. I know I can't. And he gave me some. Wise counsel, and I applied it. I want to tell you something. I can tell you. There was this moment in prayer after that phone call. And there was the sound of dripping in buckets. <laughs> and there's this thing in Mexicans that they feel responsible Sometimes for things that are not there, they didn't contribute to it. I call it Mexican guilt. It just resides. And I'm sitting there thinking like, this, this must look so bad 
for me, for any visitor that would come in, for anyone who's not familiar with this, and I'm just getting vexed with every plop of water. I want to tell you something. God checked me. He said, this isn't yours to despise. And I said, God, I thank you. We have a place to meet. God, I thank you for the faithful people that gave for this. I thank you that we have the privilege and opportunity to be here and you're going to move. Despite, I rejoice. And I'm telling you, it set a course. Did it fix every hole in the roof? I wish, but it didn't. Did it fix and resolve every rogue squirrel? No. But man, God moved. We drove there today. 321 East Linden Half. Dude, I... So many memories, so many battles, so many victories, so many. And we rejoiced. God, thank you for opening up. Thank you for opening up a building, giving, giving a new season. We rejoice. Luke 15, 7, in the same way there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. More joy. What's God saying? He's saying, look at how I look at things. See things how I see it. When you look at life... Yeah, it's easy to look at life through the lens of critique. It's easy to look at life through a lens of, 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 as our scripture says, despising. Despising. My pastor taught me, I don't want to live like that. I would much rather focus on what is, what God is doing. So how do you view progress? Here we are, another revival celebrating and honoring. Forty years. Celebrating and honoring. For when Pastor Eric Strutz came back into Rochester, New York, saved, born again, having that first service at Menden Ponds Park. He had, he had shared when I came here and we had talked at some point at a conference or whatever and he said, we had our first service at Menden Ponds Park. There were definitely more mosquitoes than people there. But God wanted a church here. God has insisted 40 years later that a church be here. A fellowship church, a church planting church, a blessed church, a church that is making impact in their city, but making impact abroad for their baby churches, for surrounding churches throughout the south, reaching out into the west and southwest.
from a church, a church that is praying for other churches that we just heard of a miracle be connected to your prayers. That's progress. All of that is progress. All of that is moving forward. And I rejoice to see. And I rejoice to see the progress in you. And I rejoice to see the progress in your faithfulness. And I rejoice to see and hear the progress of your youth's involvement. And I rejoice to see the progress and hear the progress in your families, in your disciples. I rejoice with you. Maybe you haven't seen things right. The altar's prepared to rejoice even in the small things. Amen. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Amen. I'm so grateful for your faithfulness, your attentiveness. You made the time to be in church tonight. Before we pray together and just thank God, before we pray together and, and we take a time of rejoicing, I want to give an opportunity for salvation. You're here tonight and you are not right with God. You are not born again, but you want to be right tonight. Would you lift your hand? How many would there be? Pastor, I'm not saved, but I want to get saved tonight. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Would you lift your hand? We want to pray with you tonight. Amen. Amen. Then speaking to believers tonight, what is your perspective? How do you view life in general? How do you view your marriage? How do you view your children? How do you view your ministry? How do you view your church? How do you view all the different things that we've discussed tonight? Is it with an eye of critique, an eye of despising? Is it with contempt and bitterness? Tonight, the altar is prepared to say, God, I'm choosing to see things your way. And I'm going to rejoice because you are moving, because you have moved, because you are doing good things, because you are at work, because you are involved. This altar is prepared. Let's stand together. Amen. Let's open these altars. God has spoken to you, dealt with you in an area tonight that I've ministered. Come and talk to God about it. And if nothing else, take the time to just simply thank God. Thank God for the progress. Thank God for the breakthroughs. Thank God for the blessings. Thank God for the miracles. Hallelujah. Amen. As we take a moment to sing the chorus tonight. Hallelujah.
Father God, you are faithful, you are holy, you are worthy, King of kings. Thank you, Jesus.